we did loads of trials like we called in friends i remember the first time we did tasting food did not come out of the kitchen for two and a oh half hours God. i had like friends sitting there and they're like can we please go home now this season on no sugar code we're going back to where it all started food i'm sitting down with the mavericks of the culinary space to talk about their journeys the drive required to follow a passion and what makes a food business successful I'm Pooja Dingra, chef and founder of Love 15 Patisserie. Welcome to my podcast, No Sugar Code, where the sugar stays in the kitchen and out of the conversation. I'm not immune to being jaded, tired and guilty of sharing my fears as advice, but other people's advice should never be the foundation of your dreams. Today's guest is one such person who I'm so glad did not listen to me and bravely followed her passion. Annie Bafna is the founder and head chef of the Nutcracker in Mumbai. What started out as an egetarian all-day breakfast cafe in the heart of the city's art district Kalaghoda has now expanded to four outlets and they even do home deliveries. Without any prior experience in F&B, why did Annie leave a promising career as a CA at KPMG to take a gamble on starting a cafe 8 years ago? Here's Annie telling us why. Hi Annie, thank you so much for being here. I was so excited to have you on and I was so keen to have you tell your story because um I want to tell everyone how we met. Yes. And do you remember that? Of course. <laughs> that was like right in the beginning of my journey. How could I forget? So the story goes that what what was it 2013? It was 2013. It was 2013. Yeah. Love 15 was about 3 years old yeah. and I had just started my Bandra store. Yes. And it was one of those days when it's you know it's a new store and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're working like 14-15 hours and you haven't had a day off and <laughs> everything feels overwhelming and the weight of the world is like crushing you. Yeah. And I was at my store and Annie and her husband Sid came to meet me. And uh, Sid said, "Hey, Annie is uh, looking to start her own cafe." and i asked you i was like so what do you do what's your background and you're like i have no culinary background <laughs> and then you said yeah you know i have a child and i have this idea and i want to do this vegetarian cafe and la 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 and you thought i was nuts <laughs> and i actually looked at you and i said don't do it yeah <laughs> i remember that I and i'm so <laughs> glad you didn't listen to me i'm so glad you didn't listen to this yeah. crazy 24 year old who was like way you know exhausted at that point and i'm so glad that you did Yeah. So I want to actually take you back to how your journey began if you can you know tell us a little bit about yourself and sure. what got you to that point of coming to me and asking me <laughs> yes, to start a cafe Yes of course of course there was a definite part of me that wanted to sort of you know think about doing hotel management going to culinary school but uh, i also came from this family background in finance my sister at the time was working at kpmg doing her ca my dad was a ca he had his own practice and somewhere i felt like i wanted to study more also i think unfortunately at the time um, the possibilities that you know you have in front of you today to be in this space were not the same and so you know a lot of people were like oh you know you can maybe do it later you can just did like, you study. discuss this with anyone at home that this you is know, what so my parents have always been the kind they've always been super open and they've always just said your decision hmm. you know my dad almost discouraged me a little bit from doing my ca and he's like you know do you really want to do it <laughs> and my sister was like don't do it don't do it you know i don't even think it was something i spent too much time thinking about i remember applying to kpmg i remember even getting the form home from the catering college really yeah. so you went you so did I that so i got i did that and then i also applied uh, to kpmg 
I uh, got in, there was a group discussion, there was a partner interview, I got my letter saying you're admitted. I had two really close college friends and they got in too. And then I remember this one night we were all out, we had to sort of give our decision the next day. And they're like, Annie, what are you going to do being a chef? Just like, let's just do KPMG, it'll be fun. And I was curious about the whole corporate multinational kind of, you know, work experience. And so I said, okay, you know, what the hell? And it was as casual as that. You know, I don't think that I put in as much thought as uh, I would have liked to at that point in time. So then that's how sort of CA happened. And I think those seven years were a complete whirlwind working 14, 15 hours a day, also studying to pass my exam. And, you know, it was just one of those exams that I just feared failure because I just knew people that kept giving it and they would not get through. And in my head, I just said, I will kill myself, you know, working hard, but I really need to make it possible to sort of get through in the first time. And And so it was, yeah, I did touch it, thankfully. (laughs) And it's honestly all got to do with luck. Everyone works hard and there are so many smart people that don't make it the first time. So it's seriously just, I think, luck. So those seven years were really intense. And there was honestly, I think that that entire food dream had just disappeared somewhere in the middle of all of that. And then there came this point where I just felt burnt out. And more than that, I just didn't relate anymore. You know, I just felt that I had gathered everything I needed to. In hindsight, uh, do I regret doing my CA? Not at all. I think it's given me a huge financial sort of uh, base or foundation, which has helped me a lot, especially with Nutcracker. So, of course, everyone just felt that my background was so far removed from FNB that, you know, how would you succeed? You're going in really, really clueless which was one. And I think out of the best interest, people were saying that also people did not understand how an egetarian vegetarian cafe concept might work in Bombay, because, you know, there wasn't one like that before. And I think more than anything, people just want me that really be prepared for the hard work. Uh, I remember someone I met who said, you will have no social life. (laughs) You will not meet any friends, you will not go anywhere. And are you ready for that? That but you were, you were already doing that in your previous jobs, I was already jobs, doing right? that, like you know, and I think the one thing that was a huge takeaway growing up from my dad, I think he instilled that sense of hard work. So, mm. I mean, till today, if I have to stand 18 hours a day, work 15 hours a day, day after day after day, it doesn't bother me, you know, it just comes very naturally to me. So that part didn't bother me. The how am I going to hack this uh, obviously was something that I had to think about. And there were obviously moments of anxiety, moments of, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Also, just because there was no knowledge, right? So I felt that I had to sort of put in a lot of time on self-study. Um, you know, I knew I loved food, I loved cooking food, but that's not even the same thing. There are millions of people that love to cook food at home, right? And it's just not the same thing. And I think one of the things that worked for me early on is um, to kind of spend a lot of time planning. So making a business plan, figuring out what kind of, you know, size would work, how many covers would work, what kind of menu would work, you know, what kind of startup cost we should have, what kind of revenue we could sort of on a very conservative basis expect to have um, every day. And so how much we should spend and the decision to start small, right? So even if you burnt your fingers, it's not going to kind of really trouble you that much. See, right? and I went to culinary school and everything and that's, I went in full blind. <laughs> so I think, and you know, like if I have to go back and see like, oh, what was one thing that I would yeah. change? It would be like, I have a business plan. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so yeah, you, you yeah. without realizing it, you were already starting from a, you know, yeah. and that's something that people don't kind of realize because you're like, oh, because you can hire a chef. Yes. You know, yes. you can, yes. you can hire a team. Yeah. But I think that when 
you're running a business especially yeah. uh, that innate sense of like oh this is how this needs to work and yeah. i think that's already a, a, yeah. a step in the right direction yeah i spent enough time you know once we signed up we found a place which was a real struggle mm-hmm. but once i found the place and we signed up i also took a lot of time to open you know i said oh you didn't that, rush it and say 30 day lock in period no no no, no. Starts, no exactly <laughs> so you know as part of our setup cost I had said all right we had a 3 month rent free or a 2 2 month or 3 month rent free and I had put in two extra months you know planning that I'm not going to open it was a struggle to get people because it was a brand that nobody knew it was serving vegetarian i mean a lot of chefs you know now maybe vegetarianism and veganism and all of that is more sort of popular but at that time okay. people it was hard to get the correct people and that was what the problem was that i knew what i wanted to deliver but the kind of people that i wanted was hard to get and then it was hard to train people to sort of deliver or serve in the way that we wanted it to be and we did loads of trials like we called in friends i remember the first time we did tasting food did not come out of the kitchen for two and a oh half hours i had like friends sitting there and they're like can we please go home now and i'm like no 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 what you is know, the what is the size of the kitchen the size of the kitchen so the overall size of kalagoda is 620 square feet so the kitchen was like 150 square feet yeah. okay then we had like the little beverage coffee and I imagine area. that entire menu comes out from yeah, that 150 yeah. square feet. So there's a lot of people that come in, and sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I don't How know, but do there's it? just some magic to that place. Yeah. Touch wood, I I really really feel it because we just managed to get a lot done there. So yeah, we took time to do those trials. I mean, I remember at the end of the first one, I just felt so demotivated and horrible. But you know, I knew that. if it needed more time i'd take more time there was never the pressure to open in the first one i just refused to sort of keep that pressure and through this whole process like even before you got the place yeah was there a time where you felt maybe this is not the right thing for me and i should back out did you ever feel that doubt no i didn't yeah. so i think once i had decided to do it and i think sometimes as a person i'm a little stubborn mm. i will take all advice but once the decision is mine then i kind Follow of through. yeah so there was always okay how am i going to make it work but there wasn't ever a moment where i said i shouldn't do this you know i didn't go through that i just knew that i now had to make it work yeah yeah and we are so glad that you, <laughs> <laughs> you know so for people that don't know annie's kitchen now and mine share a wall Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so often, you know, in the office when we are hungry, we're like we want the scrambled eggs and we want this and you know the bagel comes in and it's all so delicious. And the thing is that now think about how old is that cracker like 8 years. 8 years old, yeah. right? Yeah. 8 years ago, I think that the cafe scene in in Bombay was quite similar in the sense yeah. that it was almost predictable, right? Yeah. Like menus everywhere were quite predictable. Right. I think when you came in, you sort of broke that mold of Firstly, it was largely like a vegetarian, vegetarian uh, cafe, yes. and the whole menu was still so comforting. Like I think mm-hmm. that was the the theme that kind of stuck yeah. through. What did it take for you to decide that you know this is the kind of food I'm going to serve? And was there ever any doubt that you know doesn't look like all the other cafes where yeah. people still like it? Did yeah. you ever feel that? Uh, no. So once again, I just felt that the entire space had to really be. an extension of my personality you know it was so close to me as a passion project that i knew that if i tried to do something that was not inherently me it's not going to work and um, 
that's still the philosophy that I follow, to be honest. So when I thought about the menu, I thought that it really had to be, um, you know, a combination of things that I grew up eating and I loved, things that I sort of tried on my travels and I really enjoyed, or things that I used to make for friends or, you know, family at home and they really enjoyed. And, you know, we put together that menu and I was also very sure the all-day breakfast concept, which, you know, then didn't exist in Bombay because people would have breakfast, but either it would sort of close at 11 and then it would run on normal menu and it would always be limited, right? And it was always something that I enjoyed as a concept. And so, you know, we said, let's go with it. And also, because I am vegetarian, I mean, I, in fact, hardly eat eggs, <laughs> but uh, eggs obviously had to be a part of the menu and the breakfast was a great way to showcase them. And so I actually wanted to get to the part where now you've decided you're going to open this restaurant yeah. and you've heard different people give you different opinions. Yes. <laughs> um, what does it take? Like, you know, it is quite courageous to do that, especially when you're coming from a completely different background. Yeah. Sometimes for me, I felt like I started so young. It was kind of the mm. inexperience was actually a great sort of push because you don't know what you yeah. can or cannot do. So it yeah. was great. Yeah. What did it take for you in terms of like the support that you had you know, from your family, from your friends, what yeah. really made you push through and actually achieve that dream of opening this cafe? Yeah, it's like it takes a village. And if it had not been for that support, I wouldn't have been able to manage. I think the first hugest sort of uh, pillar of strength really was Sid because he was, when I sort of finished work and I was beginning to plan this initially, till the time I decided I want to do it, there was the yes, no, yes, no. And he is the one that just kind of gave me that push. He said, just do it. You know, you've sat around ifing about <laughs> it for enough time and just do it. You know, it's not going to kill you if it doesn't work. You have to just try. I mean, that was the first thing. Also, in terms of family, Dia was my daughter was four years old when we started and she was small. She was little. And I remember we had these three yellow chairs outside Kalagoda. And so often she would just be sitting outside so at cute. night waiting for yeah. me to sort of finish. And uh, I had a lot of family support. I don't live with my in-laws. We live separately. We always have. But family support in terms of, um, you know, my sister, my parents, Sid's parents. And then we have um, neighbors who really are like godparents to Dia. And I think that everybody just put in that support. Because for me, that was the main thing. Being at work for as many hours as was required was no issue for me. You know, I just needed to know that she was okay. And I think that that part for me was something that if I did not have that network of support, I don't think I would have managed. For me, that would have been a deal breaker. Was there really. like, is, is mom guilt a real thing? Did you feel oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom <laughs> guilt is such a real thing. I mean, anyone who says otherwise is just... I don't know. No, it's a very real thing. But once again, I feel like there are stay-at-home moms who probably look at working moms and say, I don't know how they do it. Mm. I look at stay-at-home moms and say, I don't know how they do it. I think it's about what you're made of, right? It's uh, what you connect with. I think very clearly, you know, you're this or that. And then you have to make that choice. And then you have to sort of live with it. And there will always be moments of imbalance. There were moments that she really needed me and I had to drop whatever it was because I knew that I had to be there and work suffered and vice versa. There were times that work had to take sort of more importance and um, she would suffer. So it's always a balancing game. That's never different, right? Like today when I finish work, I can't even think of doing anything else. She's 13 now. She's grown up. But my first sort of thing is, okay, I need to get home, you know, just to be around. So I think the family support that came in was huge. The support from Sid was huge because not only was it 
not only him but even friends i mean we were so short staffed when we started we didn't have enough people in the I kitchen i remember the first time serve. i came he was yeah, serving we were he all was serving like, yeah. right i would have a roster with friends coming in on sunday duty i'm like this sunday you're going to be here this sunday you're going to be here i had like friends serving clearing tables like doing everything so really it took a village and i can't imagine what it would have been like or um if it would have even been possible if i didn't have that so it's been 8 years now you have three cafes four four, four cafes yeah. <laughs> four cafes and they all yeah. run for delivery i think the kitchen yeah. in parel runs for delivery yeah. was yeah. the ambition this big when you started oh no 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 absolutely not i was very clear i would never open a second restaurant i like <laughs> i died like, i'm done yeah one. i i <laughs> i said no no way this is what i want to do i like to come into work to the small little cafe have my coffee chat with guests serve them food feel happy work on like new stuff and like this is perfect you know i don't need to complicate my life i don't need to make it bigger and also as a person scale is something that has never driven me it's never been the driver for me ever so what happened um but i think somewhere what happened is that i reached a point where it felt a little more balanced and um once again sid i think <laughs> he's like this constant push on the back he's like but i need what next like why can't you just do one other small the investment banker and right? yes, he's like right? this is doing yeah. well we must exactly, multiply <laughs> exactly that right i mean we are so so different in that way and i thought okay you know this this is working and it had reached the stage where it was not killing me as much anymore as it did in the first two years and so i said all right you know bandra would be cute we can sort of replicate do a small one there too and you know we'll take it easy if we find a spot that's doable we'll do it the spot came up faster than i expected really and so that one happened and once again for palladium and for geo like especially for palladium because that was the first hmm. large jump right from small to big and bar and all of that so the concept between uh, both were different now you had like a, a proper yeah, yeah. it was more of a restaurant with a bar yeah. with a full so bar menu so i think menu. that typically the way we look at it while the menus are very similar but kalagoda and bandra are more your like you know your hole in the wall neighborhood, neighborhood cafes, cafes yeah. and the other two which are in the malls you know also uh, follow the same concept of philosophy of comfort food all day dining but because they are larger spaces the menu has a little more in them you know in terms of it being more restauranty and of course the bar that mm. both of them have you know when that one came is when i really panicked because i said no i i i can't do this it's too big it's too much of an investment and uh you know i don't know how it will be and that offer came to us and you know sid was like but it will change no. the brand <laughs> yeah he, he's like it's palladium it you know you should be there and you're getting the opportunity and he obviously took on the negotiations <laughs> and all of that i really like to have sid in my corner yeah. for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean honestly i feel so fortunate to have him yeah. as my negotiator sometimes i feel like when we're sitting at a meeting and he's negotiating i'm like oh my god you know i just want the floor to split and i'll go through but he is at yeah. it and the stuff he manages to get out is is amazing right so yeah it's like a complete trump card that i get yeah. to pull out but that was a big step and you know we started it was great and then in 3 months covid covid yeah right so it was obviously tough um i mean you know that yeah yeah we've we've had like long discussions during yeah. covid about what are we yeah. doing with rent yeah. what are yeah. we doing with staff and i don't think any of us could ever be prepared for everything that followed once that happened right i don't think so i don't think we imagined it could be that long it could be that hard we had to keep changing what, things what, so what much what kept right? you going through all of it so what really really was a huge support for me once again was the team 
so there are a lot of people that we started out with and they're still with us so a lot of the key roles uh, you know are still held by people who've been with us since we started and uh, i remember when end of march is when covid hit and um, end of april is when we said let's think about starting deliveries and everybody was initially everyone was scared right nobody wanted to step out of their homes and i remember a couple of the old guys said you know what let's just try and the rest were not even willing to step out right so literally seven of them decided to move into the restaurant stay over there i was close enough to kalagoda so i would come and go every day and there were eight of us sort of you know running it and doing the deliveries and i just felt a huge sense of responsibility yeah. towards the team to ensure that you know their jobs are intact that they make some money there some take home for them to keep their homes going and initially we were really small right and as you grow you just suddenly feel this sense of responsibility to the people that are with you and um, i think the support from them and the responsibility i felt was a huge thing and also fortunately our food was just delivery friendly food exactly. right so it was stuff that you know once we started pushing you know people would order and i think also people were being really kind because they knew restaurants were bleeding yeah. you know we tried to start our direct delivery and so many people would you know come out of the way and come and pick up their parcels and there was just a lot of encouragement mm-hmm. from that i think there was a lot of kindness that you saw all around once again there was never a question of am i going to make it through there was only the question of how am i going to make oh. it through you know i need to figure it out it's just sometimes when your back is pushed against yeah. the wall you know you you just have to figure out how to do it yeah so, i cried a lot and then i decided yeah. it's time to stop crying yeah yeah right <laughs> and, and you and know just, just figure, just figure it, out. it out yeah, yeah. just figure it out yeah. but yeah i think what it prepared us for and we were just talking earlier about if there is even a slight scare of it happening again i was like i don't think yeah. i can go through this whole yeah, thing yeah. again can you can not one more recovery I but at least we know it. at least yeah. we're better prepared at least now yeah. we know yeah. we get into action and we know what to yeah, do and, yeah. and and take it head on i think on. it taught us all how to sort of change decisions so fast right to think on our feet like you could sit and do a whole planning meeting today and two weeks later suddenly you have to change yeah, you yeah, know yeah. change product change people Made change method so change yeah it did right so i think a lot of good came out of it also a I think once again for team members that there was a strong message you know for people that that you were not laying off you were sort of stretching yourself to try and do whatever they could and then that brought in also a sense of belonging to the company which I think was great yeah. from both sides for both of us for the company and for the team members I mean you know it's sometimes I feel like just 2 weeks ago I had this like massive breakdown because there's just so much sometimes i feel like because you wear so many hats and you're doing so many things yeah. so i'm not as much in the kitchen anymore so i feel yeah. like my skills there have gotten yeah. like yeah. you know out of practice out yeah. of touch i'm yeah. not like up to date with all the latest pastry things that are happening yeah. Yeah. and i have to constantly keep studying that but then yeah. also running the business yeah. and then also checking i just sometimes i feel just so overwhelmed with everything and then yeah. last week i just broke down because i was like i feel like i'm not good at anything, anything. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. i'm trying so hard to yeah. be good at you know be a yeah. chef and be a businesswoman yeah. and be this and yeah. be that and at yeah. the end i'm like i feel like i'm not doing justice to anything yeah. i feel that a lot do you also how do you de- like i, I cry <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. How, how i do you deal i go back home and yell <laughs> So it's very normal to do no punching matter. bags at home yeah and they're like okay she's had a bad day just give her her space and then they know okay one half an hour one hour downtime nobody says anything leave her completely on her own when she's ready and she throws her mood she'll come back out right it's the same i mean the thing is that and i remember people that i spoke to telling me this uh, before i started that 
you start out because you have this passion about food yet when you are in the industry and you're running a business that becomes like such a small percentage of the things that you have to do right yeah. and as you grow everything else takes over it becomes more important and you need to kind of create that time and balance to to really find to, yeah, to, joy to yeah to find that joy or to you know uh, and, and that's what i constantly do in terms of you know whether it's uh, reading whether it's sort of uh, working in the kitchen with the chef or whatever to just remind myself that also why I, do it <laughs> i started this leadership coaching a couple of years ago and the first thing she said is like you know go back to this simon sinek talk to saying why yeah, you know start why? from the start yeah, from the why and then yeah. every and i had to like really look at that especially during covid to say right. why am i doing this why yeah, am i doing this yeah, so i think yeah. it's exactly yeah. that yeah. you have to just remind yourself that and also maybe i mean i don't know how it is for you but for me for the first few years i just refused to let go control so i was doing everything from hr to accounts to marketing to purchase to being in the restaurant to food to menu to everything and then it's like you said right you're doing everything but you're not doing anything justice and uh, it took a while for me to be able to sort of step back i mean i realized that until i step back the people around me are not going to step what up what was that moment where you decided that i have to let go now and give uh, some of the control so once again i don't think i would have managed i remember sid <laughs> he's <laughs> I'm like telling you he's it. like yeah he's like i need to stop it he's like you know what you need someone to help you with operations you need a head of ops and i'm like no no you know i'm not i'm not and he'll come in and he'll do his own thing and i don't want someone sitting on my head and i want to do everything on my own and he sort of uh, went rogue he uh, got cvs he interviewed two or three guys he said these are three good really guys and interview them and you you make up your mind right and then uh, i did it and then i took on you know one of them and uh, jay who still life uh, with changed. us and and yeah my life changed honestly it it really really did change he is such an integral part of our team today and i can't imagine you know how i would have gone through these years without that support and i think that was the turning point i realized that you know i have to let go and it's not impossible to find people to do things the way you want them to do or do a job as good as you think you can do it yourself and sometimes people will do it better than you can just because they are more focused on it right yeah. and i think the same thing happened to us like 6 months ago where it is like you know what any i think it's time for a ceo and i'm like no i don't want a ceo i don't want a ceo and he did exactly the same thing again <laughs> he interviewed people he got candidates he's like okay you know i think i need to start me. interfering in my life <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know i got these two guys for you yeah. and he's like you choose you decide and i'm like but i told you that we'll wait you know a year and he's like no i think it's time you know and you're not seeing it i'm seeing it from the outside and i think that perspective of him knowing me that well and seeing it from the outside and also being very close to the business and also because a lot of the work he does as a banker is in the you know fnb space he's able to sort of see things with less bias or with more clarity and i've learned to kind of uh, you know be it through a whole series of arguments but i've learned to kind of trust so and listen so my problem was the opposite i was very easy to delegate in the beginning okay and it was for me it was like oh this is the boring I stuff know, i don't want to do yeah, it yeah. but then i realized that you can't delegate without supervision exactly. and this right so that's yeah. what went wrong for me yeah because yeah. i was like oh i don't want to look i hate numbers i don't want to look yeah. at the numbers you take care of it yeah. yeah and then that completely backfired so now finally yeah. got into balance of understanding how to delegate but yeah. also like exactly being on top of it just knowing it. what's going yeah, on right and yeah i think as you scale that's something that you have to learn because you can't be everywhere all the time you can't be doing everything all the time and 
the more time you spend with those sort of people that are going to be impactful on your teams, you know, and you know what's going on and you work closely enough with them, they eventually learn to mirror your philosophy. And for me, that's been something that is really important. You know, it's not about what they're doing, but it's also about how I want to run this, you know, the way they're going to be treating team members. I mean, one of the things that was very difficult for me when I came in was I didn't like the way people in the kitchen were being treated. I mean, I was shocked when I saw like a chef take a hot pan and hit someone with it. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know, like you, you don't work here if you do that. And it was just such a given thing, you know, the yelling. And I don't think it's cool. I think it's actually uncool. And to change that mindset, which maybe it was rampant at a time, you know, in the industry, I was just like this, I, I can't run it this way. You know, it's just this is not the way we're going to run this space. And for people to unlearn everything they had learned, you know, be less harsh, be more empathetic, be, you know, work together better. Uh, that took a lot of time, you know, and I just realized that the more time you spend with them, the more they mirror the way you want to run it and then the easier it is for Culture you to comes step back. Down, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe not one thing, but what are the couple of things that you know now that you wish you'd known about the F&B industry before you started? <laughs> I mean, everything. <laughs> I came in knowing nothing, Pooja. So, like, <laughs> like, like seriously, like, because you spoke to so many people, so people yeah, kind of no, told no, you a bunch like of that, stuff. That, that, <laughs> that you, doesn't you count. Know, right? That doesn't prepare you for anything. <laughs> But okay, so if Annie from 2013 yeah. came to Annie from 2023 yeah. and said, should I do this? Yeah. What would you tell her? What I would have definitely done is got um, more people at an earlier point in time. You know, I would have sort of set up the divisions, the departments instead of trying to do everything myself and burning out. Also, the reason I did it that time is because I felt I don't know anything. So I must learn everything. And so I must do it to learn it. Right. But in hindsight, I did it for too long before I realized it's burning me out and I'm it's a disservice to everyone around me, really, you know. So I think that I would have made those changes probably two years earlier than I did. But besides that, honestly, everything else was, I don't think I would change the experience that I had, the ups and downs. I think the journey was just so worth it in every way, you know. And if you had to give some advice to somebody young who's listening to this and wants to get into the industry without any experience, yeah, what would you tell them? Uh, so I would say, you know, when a lot of people sort of say, okay, you know, I want to start and it's great to follow your dream. And I think, first of all, that fear of the what if you have to drive it away. But if you get to live your dream and it succeeds, you'll just be a happier person, right? And I think that the chances of success just go up when you spend a little more time planning and you are also prepared for the hard work in the initial years. I see a lot of people who come in, but they're like, there will be one manager at the shop and I will sit at home. And I'm like, that might not work, (laughs) you know. So I think that the planning that we did ahead and also just this hands-on going all in to make sure that it worked in the way you wanted it to do, I think those are the two things that really, really drove us to be where we are today. And so that would be my message to anyone, you know, spend that time planning very well, especially the financial part, because at the end of the day, it's no fun, even if you have people coming in and everyone's loving your food, but you're making losses at the end of the day, it's demotivating, right? So I think that, you know, taking time in the beginning to do that and being very prepared to sort of go all in in the initial years would be my message. Yeah. But once again, that's what worked for me. Maybe people find a way to do it otherwise. And my last question would be, what is the big plan? What do you see for yourself? Where would you like to be? Yeah. Like I said, I am not and I have never been a person that is driven by skill. And 
I feel like I'm living my dream. I am just a person that is supremely satisfied at any point. I was satisfied when there was one, when there was two, when there was three. I'm super satisfied now too. But what I do aspire to do is I feel that we need to now do what we're doing. And of course, there is a vision to grow. But I think more than that is to do it in a better way, to do it uh, with more impact, to do it more mindfully to do it in a way that is more sustainable, to do it in a way that uh, impacts the people that we're touching on the way as we go. And so I think how I want to run it for the next how many years, I want to know that Nutcracker would still be as relevant as a brand and as loved as a brand for people, you know, 10 years from now. But there are multiple ways to get there, right? And I think working on how I really want it to be because all this time I've just been focusing on, okay, the operations, you know. But now... I feel like it's time to sit back and say, how can I do this more mindfully, more thoughtfully, better, just to do it better in every way. So, Amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, you say, and you say it's uh, it's four now and I'm sure the next time I run into you, which is once a year, <laughs> it'll be like 50. Uh, no, so. no, 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 no. 50 ain't happening. I hope you like that episode and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And this year we have video. So search for Pooja Dhingra on YouTube and don't forget to like and share this video and subscribe to my channel so you don't miss an episode.